become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. and smell mutations you primitive screwheads now listen up this is my boomstick and now it's time for some film television and pop culture news Television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Stuff like that. <laughs> hey, everybody! It's me, the J-Strom. Hello, welcome to Entertainment Landfill News. I'm your host, I guess. I'm the guy who talks a lot, but I don't do it alone. I also have here Stephen the Pop Culture's LA. Hey, what's happening? Hello, Stephen. How Hello. are you doing today? Fantastic. Sir. Fantabulous. It's so good to see you. I'm so uh, happy you're here, because we have all sorts of dumb movie news to talk about. I know, I'm pretty sure. My favorite kind of news, dumb movie news. We, you know, we also have Baby the Beagle barking her head off in the backyard. Mm -hmm. It won't be a show without her barking, will it? No. You gotta have that constant, just bark, 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 you know, that's what makes it a good show. I love it so much. It makes that's why I do the show. I'm like, I want to do a show where I can make my dog constantly bark. And uh <laughs> and, and that's why we do it. Steven, we saw a movie last week. We did. We saw Kong Skull Island. What's so funny is I so badly wanted to see Logan. That it was kind of off my radar. I knew, uh, oh, there's a King Kong movie coming out. Yeah, I right. guess I want to see that. But right now, I got to concentrate on Logan. So Lo- uh, Logan came and went, and then Kong was coming out. And here at the local Cinemark, they finally got that assign- uh, reserve it's seating. The big recliners. Yeah, the big recliners. You can. And you're kicking your legs back. You're just chilling, man. You're everything's Nobody's great. Breathing on your neck. Yeah, you're not breathing on anyone's neck. And here's the thing: is you, Heather, and I went to see King Kong at ten thirty at night. Was it a Saturday? Last Saturday. It was Saturday night. Everything great. We've got perfect seats picked out right thir- three in the center. And, you know, we're laughing. We're having a good time. I'm like, man, best time ever, Stephen, right? Yes. And then I see out of the corner of my eyes a little boy, like, skipping. He looks like he's he's just the happiest little boy in the world. Probably, like, five. He should be in bed. Should be in bed. 10.30 at night. Comes up. Walks over and sits right next to Steven, like right next to you. And he's like, ah, yeah, I got to see movie. Win. And the dad is just like chilling. You know, he's on his phone and the and boy's he's touching me. Yeah. He's just like, how oh, you do that? And he's kind of like asking speaking. me questions. Is he kind of talking gibberish or is he no, talk pretty he well? Ta- he was talking. Okay. It's a, it's a movie. 
It's that movie, Stranger. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that bad. But... <laughs> was... Talking wise, it wasn't that bad. Annoyance wise, it was that bad. And I was like, "Oh shit, Stephen! Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And Heather was like, "Let me trade places with you, Stephen." You're like, "No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay." And because um, I was like, "Yeah, Heather, she should sit there, Stephen. She's a mother. She knows how to deal with kids or whatever." She goes, "Shut up! You know, sit down or whatever." And I was thinking, maybe the kid will chill out when the movie starts, you know, when you, they're just showing previews. And, and I'm knowing, in my mind, my mind, I know what's hap- going to happen. This kid has no clue what's going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's going to be scared. He's waiting for the gorilla. Yeah. That's all he wants to see. I was waiting for him to go, scary! Why, why are you paying 3D prices for a kid at 1030 at night? Right. And uh, who doesn't really care? Doesn't know the story? Doesn't no, care? He's too young to. He pay just wants to, to see the fighting gorilla. There, before the movie Monkey. started, you know, they showed the ads and stuff. They showed that Melissa McCarthy ad where yeah. she's like getting kicked off the edge of a mountain, or a rhino's like got its horns like, into oh. the whaler. Mo- that little boy's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. he like thought it was like the funniest thing ever, and I was just like, oh boy, he's poor Steven, man. <laughs> I was like. I was like, uh, I know the dad heard me a few times. I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and he would he would settle him down for a bit. Yeah, he has to go, calm down, calm down. And, and uh, the kid kept trying to nuzzle over to my side of where you know in his chair. Yeah, I mean we have a pretty good divider there. Yeah, he, his dad's like pulling him closer to his side, you know, and he's like, like ah! you know, why he's just, don't you just change position with this yeah. kid? Why don't hey asshole, you sit next to Steven, your child sit in the empty side where there's the row is empty, you know. I think Eventually, there was a some more people showed people up down there. But yeah, they, but there was first, nobody right next. They to showed him. up like right when the movie was starting, so the whole uh, I aisle was empty you know the whole row of seats but he chose hey my kid's gonna sit next to you stranger and be really loud why wasn't he like i'll sit next to the stranger better yet how about we sit where nobody's sitting or something you know i know the reserved seats but uh the guy i realized that man does not give a shit how you feel steven he just doesn't care some people are just unaware of their surroundings they don't consider that's other people. why i kept saying things out loud you know yeah it's like some people who smoke cigarettes. They don't care about you. They'll smoke anywhere. They'll blow it right in your face. They don't give a shit. They just I, I don't. should have gotten up and went and got the manager and said, look, this kid's all over the place. Uh, yeah, we were. Pick I was playing out. that scenario in my head like, uh, sir, you and your child need to leave. Ah! Come on, kid. Ah! He's holding on to that chair. Ah! It's like, come on. We're, and meanwhile, we're just like trying to focus on the movie. <laughs> And I know that dude will be waiting for me outside. Yeah. I'm going to kick your ass after this movie. My <laughs> boy's going to watch. <laughs> but, okay, so we're watching the movie. Sometimes he would quiet down, but then... The boring parts. Yeah, the part where Kong comes out, like the big major Kong part was when he's... He's flipping out in the chair. He goes, it's Kong! It's Kong! Like that. And I'm like, holy shit, he's loud. Like, he's loud. We're XD loud theater. I mean, the sound is cranked up. (laughs) You can hear this little boy, it's Kong! It's Kong! Like, in case we don't know. When he saw the dinosaurs, he started digging at the chair. Yeah, that's how he was. He was a little child. It really wasn't his fault. It It was the parent. It wasn't appropriate for him to be at this movie, period. Okay, then one point I look over at you. And you're looking at them because the boy's leaning back. Oh, I'm back. glaring at the father, hoping he looks at me. The boy is leaning back against his dad, and they've got the phone up. And I can even see the screen. They're taking a selfie right. during the movie. Right. And I just look at you and shake your head. You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. What Wasn't is during the preview. Steven's going to do something bad in the movie. I, I, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, you're gonna have to come bail me out. <laughs> I killed a guy and his kid. Yeah, it's, and I was just like, okay, just concentrate. But the movie was really fun, wasn't it? It was a good movie. Yeah, I need to go back and see it. Really, Do, did it affect <laughs> your appreciation of the movie? Were you? Was there a point where you were just like, I can't even watch the movie? I don't it, even. It know. just made me hate that guy. Yeah, 
I, I didn't disapprove. I didn't. I didn't find the movie any less. Were you following the movie? Yeah, yeah. Or, but there were some distractions for sure. But, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, the effects, the story. Uh, I mean, I really like John C. Riley's character. When they in the were movie. talking, and I could listen to it, that's when I would glare over. Yeah. I mean, action stuff. I was watching. And the action wasn't the action, the fights and stuff, fantastic. Yeah, with Kong and that uh, skull crawler. I love when he comes leaping through the air with a giant rock in his hand. He's like, <laughs> but um, what I was saying is John C. Riley, his character, I really liked. Yeah. I thought he was really good in the movie uh, as like a an old World War II pilot that's been marooned on that island for years. And he's essentially gone crazy. Yeah, stuck ex- with these people who don't talk. <laughs> like all they do is nod or whatever, but they don't yeah. say a word. But he, I guess, knows what they're thinking in a sense yeah know? he's like when you've been around him this long you know what they're thinking yeah. <laughs> but he was a good comic relief too and i thought the island they made skull island pretty frightening with all the different uh creatures and stuff the the giant spider most of all that was pretty like oh because oh, you're like, like what the hell was it you know and i'm like i thought when when the first one when the first leg came down and on the guy i thought it was Kong throwing like a bamboo like a spear tree. or something, yeah. But I love he looks like up going, like what is that? And all of a sudden you're <laughs> and then they show him and he's got this thing through right through his mouth. Yeah. And then they look up and it's like, Oh, he has a giant spire. You know, it's like that was pretty freaky. You yes. know. And Samuel L. Jackson was great in the movie too. I thought he was good as uh kind of this really angry uh guy. Their commanding officer. He's never going to give up. But He's I loved, right. I thought everything like was photographed beautifully, and I thought the editing was really fantastic. Just the way everything was cut together, the action sequences. I mean, they even did that thing where, like, the, you know how like it would be the guys in the foreground in the helicopter would look tiny. They'd see out the window kong out the window of the canopy of the uh, helicopter right just the way they shot that was so awesome like it conveyed like just how freaking humongous he was right and it, it was shot in a way that i haven't seen in other movies like jurassic park whatever they did it in a way that uh made king kong made kong seem frightening you know like holy shit what is that is that a big gorilla no, no. <laughs> no in I just, just in my head, I compare it to like the old, the early one, the first one. Yeah, yeah. Of you know, course. when they bring him back, even the Fay Ray when they bring him back, bring her back. Yeah. You know, bring Kong back. It's like, he's way too massive to ever bring back mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's where I get in my head. It's like, in those movies, he's a large, I mean, he's large. This one, he's gigantic. Yeah. And they do a good job of early on when they show all the helicopters flying and they show them just standing like on the horizon. So, They're like, what is yeah, that? So, so, yeah, I was wondering. I was like, okay, are they, is this where they're going to, are they going to try to capture him and take him back? Yeah. You know, was that going on in your head? Were you thinking they were or I, I or wondered, a possibility? But then I was, I was thinking, they, you know, they don't have time for that. That's what I, that, I mean. That's it's one, like, it's got to, if they do, it's going to be so rushed. One thing that I thought is, Wow, this is so much better paced than Peter Jackson's King Kong. I don't want to knock Peter Jackson's King Kong. It was obviously a love letter to the original King Kong, but the movie was way too long. It was a really long movie, King Kong is. And here's how I know when Does a movie's he know too long. How to make a short movie? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> here's how I know a movie's too long. Where if I enjoy it in the theater and then it's on TV and I'm like. I don't feel like sitting through that again. That's too long. If I don't want to sit through it again, you yeah. know, I'll watch a sequence where they're running from the dinosaurs or something. Oh, that doesn't really hold up. But anyway, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I really like this. This was cool. I mean, they didn't have the Fay Ray, you know, Brie Larson didn't play the Fay Ray type character or anything like that. Uh, it was a different take on the story of Kong, and I really liked it. Right. Yeah, that's what, I, like I said, I was kind of mentally comparing it in my head a little bit not not a lot you know just like mm-hmm. where is this go- where are they going to take this how are they going to differentiate it yeah and uh i was i was surprised and pleased that they didn't try to 
rush yeah. rush it rush it and or make it too long and try to take Kong back. What's funny is uh the way that the movie builds you're just you're wondering here's what I was thinking like at what point does Kong actually come out as we know Kong is good basically but we also know he's good because he likes the woman I was wondering at what point is Brie Larson get a break off from the rest of the guys, get marooned by herself. Kong discovers her. They become friends. And then the guys try to save her or whatever, but it never did that. They, she was pretty much with them the whole time. Except well, that one time when she broke off with the, uh, there's like the, one, the, 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 what's his name? The, uh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Tom, mm-hmm. When they were up on and and he appeared, you know, and she touched his nose. Yeah, it's I pretty mean, that's much the, that's the closest you got to her breaking away, being alone. Yeah, but she was never like the oh. the native people didn't like tire to something right. to sacrifice her or anything like that. So it's obvious. I, I'm glad that they kind of did a whole new story because we didn't know what was going to happen at that point. But I did like, you know, when Kong caught the helicopter and he's hard and he eats yeah. the guy. There was a great <laughs> moment where. A guy, he's going, ah, and he's like, the guy, no, the guy's going to fall into right, Kong's right, right. mouth, and it cuts to John Goodman taking a bite of a sandwich. <laughs> I thought that was like the perfect cut where he's like, oh, he's taking a bite of a sandwich. I thought that was great. The humor in the movie is fantastic. It, it There's a lot of just good laughs. So they didn't take it, the movie didn't take itself too seriously. It had Samuel L. Jackson for that. He took things seriously. When it would cut to him, you knew things were serious. But when it, John C. Riley, he would say something that was yeah. funny and he was kind of endearing character uh, that I just hoped, like, oh, I hope he gets through this okay, you know. Uh, and I but, do like the little short film they did at the end, so mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to spoil that, but stay after and watch the little short yeah. film. And that's the thing. Wait. Also, stay till the very end credits, too. Because yeah. we were like, is there something? And I go, Heather was like, is there something at the end of this? And I go, I honestly don't know. Let's just go ahead and watch. Yeah. Because the, the end credits are in 3D. We still got our glasses. Let's just sit and watch it, right? You know? Right. And, and it's uh, the only piece I had during the movie. Because they kid. They, got, they up. got up and left as soon as it was over. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you're just, <laughs> oh, thank God. So... uh we stayed and watched that, and I thought it was a really good end thing too. Like, right. I was just—I well, guess it had two good ones, you know. Yeah, it was kind of like I was pumped up after. They did a good job of pumping up the audience when, at the very end. So, if anybody you haven't seen Kong Skull Island, take the family to see it. It's got some. Not, I jumped twice in the movie. Uh, at one point, I said it out loud. I didn't mean to. I went whoa, and I go. Oh, that was good. Like that, like, oh, that got me good. Like, it scared the shit out of me, you know. And I don't even remember what it was. There's there's one point, there's those skull crawlers things where uh, the John Goodman, I don't remember even remember what it was, but there's a certain part where, oh, I remember what it is. The guy is just walking and he's leaning up like on an old tree, but the tree oh, yeah, starts yeah, yeah. to move. And it's and like it's, actually a walking creature. It's a walking stick, but it's the size of a log. Yeah, like a, a giant, a giant log. And he's just kind of like looking like, oh, whoa. And, uh, well, he oh, shoots it. at it at first to scare him off, and it turns and walks the other way. So he's just kind of standing there. And then he turns, and then there's a creature goes, Vroom! like yeah. right at him. And I was like, <laughs> and like that made me jump really good. <laughs> that scared me. But, uh, Steven, I'm really sorry about the little kid thing. It's just the kind of thing. It's kind of like, you know, when it's I saw... It's not your fault. It's the father's fault. Yeah. When I saw... If it happens again, I'm probably going to... Look, this happened once before. Can you put your kid far away from me? When I saw the kid... I mean, when I saw the... What was that? The, the life of... A dog's purpose. Whatever that was. Right. And I had a row of preteens behind me just talking loud kicking my chair in that movie i probably would have i probably would have expected a child to be near me yeah i didn't expect it at 10 30 at night for a i i'm gonna say not quite a horror movie but a monster movie yeah i swear to fucking god yeah, but that I mean, oh man, that was bad though. That they I mean, shouldn't have a kid. They should have just young. said no. Well, Heather even said 
don't they have a rule like kids shouldn't be at you know at this age past a certain time? I would say past ten o'clock. You know, like, I'm sorry, there's no kids admitted <laughs> well, to this come film. On. You remember we went and saw uh, what was it with Raul Julia, and mm. they had a baby in the theater. Yeah, it's just I think that businesses they don't want to turn away I mean, money. I mean, yeah, we were all blitzed out of our mind drunk. Yeah, I just think they don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to turn away money. Maybe. Well, Stephen uh, Kong Skull Island, good, good flick. Give it a thumbs up there. Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. Okay, now you want to get into some movie news, huh? Please, sir. All right, guys, here's some entertainment news. This is all about The Matrix. We'd heard, I don't know if you heard, I heard people like, it it was like on uh, the Twitters and all that, people like, oh, Matrix reboot. And I was like, what? Just sounds like a horrible idea. But then I see this, new Matrix project isn't a reboot or a remake, Zach Penn insists. Okay. What is The Matrix? Keanu Reeves asked in the Wachowskis' 1999 sci-fi classic. Uh, Fans of the sci-fi franchise may be coming to terms with the same question following a report from earlier this week that Warner Brothers hopes to return to The Matrix in a new film based on a treatment by Zach Penn. However, the co-writer of X-Men The Last Stand and Pacific Rim Uprising was quick to take to Twitter to head off rumors that it is a reboot or a remake. The series of tweets began with Penn asserting that no one could or should reboot the beloved franchise. He then reached out to hardcore fans. How do you do that? By referencing the Animatrix anthology anime, which explored the origins and evolution of the Matrix. He also hinted the project may take place in an expanded Matrix universe. All I can say at this point is no one could or should reboot the Matrix. People who know Animatrix and the comics understand. Okay? The writer then got a little mysterious saying he can't comment and that reports of a reboot or a remake are inaccurate. I can't comment yet except to say that the words reboot and remake were from an article. Let's stop responding to inaccurate news. While he may have urged fans not to buy into the hype and rubers, he threw a little powder on the fire himself. Penn asserted he would recast the iconic role of Neo originated by Reeves. While that says nothing about the return of the character, it can only further lead to speculation. If I were going to recast Keanu Reeves, I would cast Keanu Reeves. Oh, jeez. Uh... Penn then got a little meta, suggesting he is writing a reboot of Ready Player One, the upcoming Steven Spielberg film he scripted, featuring the same cast and crew for simultaneous release. That, however, was merely a prelude to his view that the original Matrix should be re-released rather than remade or rebooted. I'm working on the reboot of Ready Player One, same creative team and cast, to be released concurrently with the original. So he's just being a jackass on Twitter? Is that what he's doing? How about just release The Matrix? Don't reboot it. You can, can't can do better, he said. Then the writer doubled down on the idea of an expanded universe, suggesting fans are ready to see such stories, and that The Matrix universe is a brilliant idea. Do I want to see more stories set in the universe of The Matrix? Yes, because it's a brilliant idea and generates great stories. He concluded by praising the quality of Fox's X-Men universe. Oh my God, he's losing me here. Which may have been somewhat self-serving as Penn wrote the story for X2 and co-wrote the script to The Last Stand. Look at what people are doing with the X-Men universe between Logan and Legion and Deadpool. Does anyone want them to stop? Not me. The potential revival of the Matrix franchise comes at a crucial time for Warner Brothers, despite the studio's tremendous success last year. Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad failed to meet box office expectations and were met with mixed reviews. Oh, shut up. Um, This sounds like total horseshit. He was just jacking around on Twitter. Right. Okay, let me say this. Uh, the Matrix universe, you know, like people, they're enslaved. They don't realize they're actually in another reality right? Uh, because they're being used as a power source. Yeah, you could tell another story like that that has nothing to do with Neo and just have people existing in a world where they figure out they're in the Matrix. But I ask you this. 
if we already know they are, then is it that interesting? I don't know. You could definitely tell a story in the Matrix, but I think you'd rather hear what's going on with Neo. And you certainly don't want to re. Here's the way I feel about the Matrix, the first movie. I think the first movie is perfect. I really unless you love ta- the first unless film. you figure out, you know, if you go back and and talk about uh, all the other people, figure out their stories, how they became got out mm-hmm. of the Matrix. Right. I mean, that would be the only other stories you really want to find out. Is like how did how did you know Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, you or you could do the story uh, of when it first happened and they the humans sure. blackened out the sky to shut down the machines. The machines found another power source. You could do something like that. Uh, if they they want to make money off the Matrix because it's a property that can make money, I just hope they do it in a way that's with the Wachowskis. I hope they do it in a creative way, and it's not just like oh, they obviously did this just to get some more money or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. But here's some other news. <laughs> Adam, they can't. I know, Adam. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which, of course, has just news about it leaking out every day, um, adds Michael Rosenbaum in a key role. Oh, hell yeah, Steven. We love Lex. From Smallville, am I right? Uh-huh. Looks like you're working out some issues there. The follow-up to 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, yes, is right around the corner. And while we've known quite a while that the sequel would be adding Sylvester Stallone, I didn't know that, as an undisclosed character, it appears that he isn't the only actor to join this role. Uh, blah, 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 blah. During a recent appearance on the Adam Carolla show, which we all uh, watch, right? Listen to. Uh, or listen to. Director James Gunn revealed actor Michael Rosenbaum will also have a key role in the film. That is awesome. Damn it! Fans may remember that Rosenbaum was originally on the short list of actors for Star-Lord before the role ended up... What? Uh, to Chris we Pratt. remember that? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was making sure I, I didn't forget something. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Did you... I had n- No. I had no clue. No, did anyone know that? No. Okay, so... <laughs> Michael Rosenbaum knew. <laughs> While the former Lex Luthor missed out on that star-making role, Gunn clearly wanted to work with him enough that he found a key role in the sequel. As Gunn explained, the film has a couple of characters who are very important to the Marvel Universe that will officially debut in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay, that should be the end of the story. But it keeps going. Although he wouldn't specify just who those characters are, Gunn did state, alongside Stallone, Rosenbaum will have a pretty decent role in the film the director also revealed that the twosome will be working in tandem in the film oh uh i'm really excited about that there's gonna be a wrestling duo <laughs> with empire magazine set to debut plenty of exclusives from the film in their upcoming issue if you wanted more spoiled perhaps we can expect more information regarding the roles of both stallone and rosenbaum sooner than later why don't you just wait till the damn movie comes out all right dick Loses. all right that's the end of that who cares all right steven you may have also heard this week that they're planning sony is planning a venom movie okay Sounds like a great idea. Only if they get Topher Grace. (laughs) (laughs) The long gestating feature focusing on the popular Spidey foe has taken the spot originally set for the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo sequel. Venom, Columbia's long-in-the-work Spider-Man spinoff, now has an opening date. The studio on Thursday announced it has set October 5th, 2018 as a release date. Baby just licked my hand out of nowhere. Uh... As the release date of a comic book of that comic book movie, it had previously announced Girl with a Dragon Tattoo sequel, The Girl and the Spider's Web, as bowing on that date, but then bumped it to October 19th. The setting of Venom's release date has happened the same day that Warner Brothers moved Aquaman off October 5th, 2018 to December 18th, 2018. Who is paying attention to these dates? They're so far off. 
Venom has no director yet, but it does have a script by Scott Rosenberg. I was about to say Scott Rosenbaum. He wrote a script. And Jeff Pinkner, the latter of whom worked on 2014's Amazing Spider-Man 2, recently turned in a draft. Avi Arad, Matt Tolmack, among the stewards of the Spider-Man properties, are producing and overseeing the project. Amy Pascal is also producing. Venom has been one of Marvel's top villains in Spider-Man fixtures since he was introduced in 1988. Creative, oh my god, they're just going to keep going, huh? <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. All right, Steven. they got to get their money worth. Here's something I'm concerned about. And this is actually funny. I saw Drew McWeeny tweet something about this. Uh... You know, last week we did a story about Ridley Scott saying he has at least six alien films in him. Right, right. I don't know if you knew this, but do you remember back when uh, the guy... Oh, Jason, don't do this. Neil Blomkamp was going to make an alien movie. And then Ridley Scott was, no, 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 no. I'm doing the sequel to Prometheus, which is going to have xenomorphs in it or whatever. And the Neil Blomkamp stuff got pushed away. But uh, Drew McWeeny kind of interpreted it as uh, like... Uh, Ridley Scott saying that, oh, the hell with you, Blancop. You're never getting this back because I got six movies planned. Yeah. Your shit is never getting made. And it is kind of like that because. Until I die, I got <laughs> yeah. this. Okay. Ridley Scott accidentally announces Alien Awakening. It seems that Oscar winning director Ridley Scott might have let slip the title of his next Alien movie before the current one, Alien Covenant has even reached cinemas. Speaking in an interview with Fandango, after a screening of his 1979 film Alien at South by Southwest Film Festival, Scott was asked about the chronology of his contributions to the film franchise, at which point the director said, it will go Prometheus, Awakening, Covenant. Fairly in, in, integral where his this colonization ship is on the way. And then he stops himself. At this point, Covenant star Catherine Watterson, who was also part of the interview, apparently tried to interject, saying, you're giving away too much, before adding the blander assertion that, yes, there will be more after this. I think that was the question. But Watterson's words just prompted Scott to elaborate further as he added, if Covenant is successful, and then the next one, and then there will definitely be three more that sounds like a whole new trilogy of alien films on top of alien awakening which could be the title of the other alien script scott has previously mentioned as being ready that script was initially reported to be a possible sequel to covenant but according to the chronology scott is now setting out it may well be a prequel filling in the gap between prometheus and covenant what happens in that gap certainly seems to be important to the covenant plot in the same interview, Scott was pressed on how much the new film will feature Numi Rapace's character, Elizabeth Shaw. Shaw was last seen at the end of Prometheus, sitting out with Michael Fassbender's mangled David on a quest to find the engineer's homeworld. Scott's answer can only be described as, or, or what the hell is this word? Oracular. Oracular. Not fully, but in a way... <laughs> She was integral to what David carried out. Like, I don't care about any of this. Shut up. I think Ridley Scott's had a stroke. All right. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. I've got. I need this You'll movie s- to be good first, right? Right. Before we start planning on a whole bunch of them. Yeah, I'm not even. I worried mean, Ridley, about... if anybody could do it, it's Ridley Scott, right? It's, it was his baby. The script right? is good. We'll just wait and see. No more alien shit, please. I don't want to hear any more about it. <sighs> okay. I'm getting mad, Stephen. All right. <laughs> Here's a DC film story. for This a, one's dedicated to uh, Adam. Do I need Sexton. to put a filter on your computer to get <laughs> yeah, away from all Yeah, block out all alien stuff. Warner Brothers reportedly wants one more mo- DC movie to film this year. That's right. With the recent creative changes behind the scenes of the Batman, Ben Affleck's solo film probably won't begin filming until 2018, which leaves a bit of a gap in Warner Brothers' superhero schedule. Earlier this week, the studio pushed Aquaman back two months, pitting it against the animated Spider-Man movie in December 2018. And with nothing else on the docket for the rest of the year, that leaves a sizable gap on the DC schedule. According to Variety's Justin Kroll, Warner Brothers is still hoping to begin production on an additional DC movie this year. 
That project could be one of five potential titles currently in development. Suicide Squad 2, Gotham City Sirens, The Flash, Green Lantern Corps, and Dark Universe. Of the five, The Flash seems most likely, even though the project is currently without a director again. Despite box office success, WB's DC films have thus far elicited tepid reactions. But The Flash is the most promising of the bunch based on what little we've seen of Ezra Miller's delightful take on Barry Allen, which could lighten the DCEU up a bit. As for other options, just this week, WB tapped Legend of Tarzan scribe Adam Kozad to script Suicide Squad 2, while Mel Gibson has been floated as a possibility to direct... Gibson will replace David Ayer, who is set to helm Gotham City Sirens instead. The all-female DC Villains Ensemble headlined by Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Back in January, the studio hired David S. Guerre and Justin Rhodes to co-write the screenplay for Green Lantern Corps around the same time. Reports revealed that names like Army Hammer, Tom Cruise, and Jake Gyllenhaal were on the studio's shortlist of potential stars. And then there's Dark Universe, the former and long-developing Guillermo del Toro project, which will now be helmed by Edge of Tomorrow director Doug LeMond, with del Toro remaining on board as producer. What are you even talking about? But don't expect WB to rush things with any of these projects. Variety's Justin Kroll notes that the studio is content just shooting Aquaman. What? You, you say they're, they're content just shooting Aquaman this year? But it says... Warner Brothers reportedly wants one more DC film to film this year, but you said on your very last line that current uh, they, they, that's all they care about. What? Go to hell, man! What the hell? I don't understand. I feel- all right, let's okay. <laughs> just make any sense. Stephen, Rogue One never had a scripted opening crawl. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is the first Star Wars film not to have an opening crawl. Gary Whitta, the first screenwriter on the film, did write one, but it was never actually in the script. Earlier this week, Rogue One's director, Gareth Edwards, good-naturedly threw Whitta under the bus during a Reddit AMA when asked about the crawl. Gary Whitta actually wrote one in the first draft. You'll have to pester him for it. I do believe that those opening crawl words are actually floating out there in space somewhere. We just have to fund NASA well enough to, <laughs> so their deep space telescopes can find them. Let's crowdfund it and make it happen. We spoke to Witta soon after that was said, and the interview blew up with speculation. Gareth misspoke, Witta told IO9. It was never actually in a draft of the script. It was just in a document, like a story document that I wrote. Literally, in the very first days working on the film, we were asking ourselves questions like, what makes these standalones different? Do they have opening crawls? Do they have John Williams music? Do they have all of the same furniture and trappings? Do you have Kurosawa wipes? Or do you find your own language? Initially, Gareth, a hardcore Star Wars fan, was like, you've got to have an opening crawl. We wanted to have all the things we grew up with. And also as an experiment, purely because it was fun to try and write one, I wrote one, but it was never in the script. It was never actually in a draft. Witta wouldn't comment on if his crawl was a broader universe thing or just a description of the film's current prologue, but it almost doesn't matter. Oh, you think it doesn't matter? The film he wrote didn't have Trout, Imway, Baze Malbus, or Bodhi Rook in it. Those characters were added by the second screenwriter, Chris Weitz. As we all well know, Rogue One changed a lot throughout the production process. Either way, Witta believes not having a crawl was the right call to set the tone for this new kind of movie. I agree. It was fine. Crawl. As we started to embrace the idea more and more that these films were going to be different, and they didn't have to be beholden to all the same laws as the original films, we were like, you know, we're better off without it. And I understand there are some people out there that really want things the way they want them, and they're upset that there isn't a crawl. Crawl. But I feel like it was a really great way to make the bold statement at the very beginning. Literally the first frame of the film. This is not like the Star Wars films you've seen before. All right, we get it. Oh, Jesus. What's the point of all this, Stephen? It's pointless. pointless. (laughs) It's all pointless, I tell you. It's all pointless. The new MST3K, which is, of course, Mystery Science Theater 3000, shows off of Felicia Day and Patton at Oswalt's Mad Villains. Look at this picture, Stephen. You see that? I have seen that. For those of you listening, you can't see it. So, I'm sorry. And then, I like... Every Mystery Science Theater article starts the same way. I'm not kidding. In the not-too-distant future, 
somewhere streaming in space, a new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 will arrive. That future date is April 14th, and the streaming space is, of course, Netflix. The new MST3K episodes, the first since the show ended in 1999, will feature a new host and a pair of voices behind the Satellite of Love's robot crew. The show will also feature also feature new villains, or mads as they call them, following in the grand tradition of Dr. Forrester's or TV Frank or Pearl Forrester. Those mads will be played by fan-favorite actors Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. Now we have a new look at that dynamic and dastardly duo. The new image comes courtesy of, Day, of Felicia Day's Twitter feed, and it shows off the pair's evil characters. Day will play King of Forrester, while Oswald will play TV son of TV's Frank. The new Mystery Science Theater announced their partnership with Netflix at last year's Comic-Con in San Diego. Following the initial Kickstarter campaign in 2015, the campaign was fun. All right, there you go. Uh, I've already mentioned how Aquaman's release date has been pushed back several times, Stephen. But uh, Christmas in 2018 is going to be fantastic because we're going to get us some Aquaman. We can get some rest finally from a Marvel. What do you say that we go eat like a nice seafood place and then go see Aquaman? Mm-hmm. That should be good. Where's my fish, Matowski? <laughs> okay, there's Big Mike. <clears throat> okay, Chris Evans' Marvel contract is done after the next two Avengers movies. <gasps> oh no. no! So far, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been beautiful tapestry of heroism, intricate plotting, and spandex. There's no spandex. 14 movies and over two phases in, things are going swimmingly. Hardcore fans are happy. The movies make billions of dollars, and the web of characters and their adventures get larger all the time. But Marvel is entering an interesting and potentially fraught period in its movie history. They've been doing this for almost a decade. The actors they hired to play these eternally youthful characters are starting to get older. Samuel Jackson is 68 years old. Oh, shut up. They can't play these hero- heroes forever. And even if, if they could, would they want to? Some of them might for the right price. Others might not. And others have long-term contracts. Many of the principal cast signed at the start of the MCU are now winding down. As noted in a new Esquire profile, for example... Marvel's Captain America, Chris Evans, is nearing the end of his contractually mandated tour of service. After the next two Avengers movies, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers We Don't Have a Subtitle Yet, (laughs) Evans is done. Avengers go home. Settling in on the couch, he groans. Evans explains that he is hurting all over because he just started the workout routine the day before to get in shape for the next two Captain America films. The movies will be shot back-to-back beginning in April. After that, no more red and white and blue costume for 35-year-old. He will have fulfilled his contract. I think they mean Avengers films. The profile also notes that while Marvel originally wanted to sign Evans to a nine-film deal... He agreed to only make six movies, and technically that final Avengers will be his seventh Marvel feature after the three solo Captain Americas and four Avengers outings. Evans could always decide to come back for a few more movies. Robert Downey Jr. takes things movie by movie at this point in his relationship with Marvel, and the studio has options to replace the character without recasting the part. In the comics, Bucky and Falcon have both spent time as Steve Rogers' replacement as Captain America. And it's very easy to imagine a scenario where the movie... Oh, shut up. I don't want to read this anymore. Just go to hell. Right, Steven? Yes. Quit speculating. You don't... Just let it happen. Looks like you're working out some issues there. Yes, I am, Scott Rosenbaum. All right, Steven. Here's some Netflix news. (laughs) I like Netflix. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Netflix is bringing some changes to its service. Plus a new algorithm system for finding films and TV shows. Oh, this sounds interesting. Netflix announced yesterday during a press event that it was bringing a few changes. One of the biggest changes that subscribers can expect is to see the disappearance of the five-star rating system. Instead, people will now be able to just give whatever movie or TV show they just finished watching thumbs up or thumbs down. Todd Yellen, Netflix's vice president of product, said that the five-star rating system had begun to feel very antiquated. Yeah, I know what that means. 
And Netflix wanted to move forward. Five Stars feels very yesterday now. We're spending many billions of dollars on the titles we're producing and licensing, and with these big catalogs, that just adds a challenge. What? Netflix made the new rating system available to a select amount of users last year. Analysts noticed that during the trial run, the use of ratings on Netflix had increased by more than 200%. Netflix, I guess because it's easy? Netflix is planning on rolling out new rating system globally in April, meaning that users who are more inclined to use a five-star rating system have a couple more weeks with it. What? What's more powerful, you telling me you would give something five stars to a documentary about the unrest in the Ukraine, that you'd give three stars to the latest Adam Sandler movie, or that you'd watch the Adam Sandler movie ten times more frequently, Yellen said, adding that it was more important for the company to be able to look at the larger number of ratings instead of a broader scale. The company also confirmed yesterday they developed a new method for informing subscribers which movies and shows they'd probably be interested in watching. Those never work. The new system, which is similar to how dating apps work, will list a percentage underneath the title. The higher the percentage, the more likely it is users will enjoy that title based on others they've watched. This isn't too unlike Netflix's recommendation. The only problem with this is Emma watches Netflix, so as it's all it was, it was your skew away you big time. It's like... Why would I like High Little Pony? Oh, I know why. (laughs) Netflix did not announce when the new algorithmic, wow, what a word there, Stephen, algorithmic formula will be visible for users. But it's likely that it will roll out around the same time as the thumbs up, thumbs down. I think the thumbs up, thumbs down, like five star ratings, you get more of like, if I see someone with three stars, I'm like, oh, not too bad. If I see something with four stars, yeah, I know it's good. Five stars, but are excellent. you going to watch a movie based on a four or five, one star, two star? Are you ba- are you going to watch? If I told you this movie is awesome and and on Netflix it says one star, or yeah, yeah, I won't. You know care. what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. It's go like by this anyway. Really. It's like okay, who's judging this? You know, it's like do they watch the type of movies you and I watch? Yeah. So. Okay, finally, Stephen, uh, I talked all about uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. I had Emma on the show. It was really awesome. But there's something in the game Zelda Breath of the Wild called, called Korok Seeds. You hunt them all over the map. You overturn a rock, and there's a little guy. He goes, you found me! And you get a Korok Seed. Well, apparently, um, there's a lot of them in the game. There's so much to do in this this coming to us from Polygon. There's so much to do in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild beyond its main quest, and its side quests are often just as involved. Of all the optional adventures Leak can pursue in the game, perhaps the most time-consuming is hunting for Korok seeds, as requested by the lovable Hetsu. It's a character in the game. But there's already someone who's knocked that whole quest off their list, not even two weeks after launch. Reddit user Fate Awaits posted to Zelda forum about his achievement, showing off the reward for collecting them all. Here's a spoiler warning for anyone who doesn't want to know. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. I'm going to spoil it for you. Spoiler alert, put the signal up. So this is what you get for collecting all 900, 900 Korok seeds. Apparently, you get a reward. It's this, Stephen. Let me show it to you. And it says, Hetsu's gift, a gift of friendship given to you by Hetsu. It smells pretty bad. What does it look like to you? It looks like a poop emoji. <laughs> he gives you poop. So that guy spent two weeks looking for 900 things in the game. He got them, and he got poop. This is he got seeds. It's fertilizer for all his seeds. Yeah. Completionists will probably still want to go through the quest, which is either really passive or annoyingly hard to complete. The plant-like Korok creatures are scattered across the world, popping up out of nowhere in all kinds of places to get one of their seeds to Link. He then passes them along to Hetsu, who rewards him with small gifts in the lead-up to the big prize. These are typically increased weapon storage, but they clearly pale in comparison to Hetsu's ultimate fragrant present. Say what you want about this achievement, how this achievement compares to the amount of effort it takes to unlock it. Hetsu is a true friend. Enjoy that dung. Wow. What do you think of that? Poop particles. Exactly. Well, Stephen, that's all the news I have this week. That's it. 
Yeah, that's it. What do you say I do uh, some, uh, let's read Rotten Tomatoes. What is this tomato, tomato song? Oh, okay. Um, Steven. Yes, sir. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> exactly. We're going to read, let's read Rotten Tomatoes. I like spelled tomato juice. Yes, it does. Now, a new movie has come out this week. It's called The Belko Experiment. It's a horror movie. Let me read what it's about. In a twisted social experiment, a group of 80 Americans are locked in their high-rise corporate office in Bogota, Colombia. Man, that's... Did I say that great or what? Bogota. And ordered by an unknown voice coming from the company's intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed. This movie is directed by Greg McLean and written by James Gunn. Yes, the same James Gunn who did Guardians of the Galaxy. It stars people like Michael Rooker, John C. McGinley, Tony Goldwyn, and Sean Gunn, who is also the brother of James Gunn. Can't believe I had to look. Oh, I forgot his name. Okay, so let's read what kind of reviews. Right now, currently, it sits at 49% rotten. It has 43 reviews counted, 21 of them are fresh, 22 of them are rotten. So that's pretty much split down the middle, isn't yeah. it? One more review and it will screw this all up, right? Possibly. Possibly. Some people are short but sweet, like John DeFore of Hollywood Reporter. He says, vicious, most satisfying action. And that's it, okay? Kyle Smith of the New York Post says... For all of its promise to be a wry commentary on the savagery of office politics, the Belco experiment is more like an experiment in how many cracked open skulls can be crammed into one movie. I give it a 1.5 out of 4, and I will never watch a movie again. Oh my god, he's retiring from his job. Thank god. Katie Walsh of Los Angeles <laughs> Times says, By the end of the film... You're left with the unshakable feeling that everyone involved from actors to filmmakers to the audience is it should have should have been better than the material like this. <laughs> I didn't really pull that off. I'm sorry to everyone. Okay, AA Down of AV Club says, You may think of a Dilbert one moment, then Nuremberg defense the next. No, really, B minus. Go see it right now. I'll be waiting here till you get back. Oh, okay. I'll buy your popcorn for you. <laughs> Darren Franich says, We live in disturbing times. Belko is an appropriately disreputable, gleefully disturbing movie. I give it a B plus. Oh, okay. Simon Abams says, Gunn's biggest conceptual failure is that his scenario is thoughtlessly cruel. 1.5 out of 4. Bye. Okay. Jeffrey M. Anderson of Combustible Celluloid says, relentlessly bleak and hopeless as well as grisly and gory this well-made thriller nonetheless paints an interesting portrait of human nature and a divide between perceived strength and kindness i give it a three out of four wow i like the way he said portrait didn't you portrait robert levin of am new york says there needs to be something more than the sheer spectacle of fine character actors like Tony Goldwyn, John C. McGinley, and others butchering their way through colleagues in every conceivable way. I give it a one out of four, and you get nothing. All right? As long as they stuff a red swing line stapler down somebody's throat. <laughs> okay, one more. Todd Vanderwerf. Vanderwerf. Says, every time Belko gets into a groove with some fun plot twists or inventively gory moments, it pauses to make some point or another about the modern workplace that feels at least a decade out of date. Too bad. 1.5 out of 5. Better luck next time. Oh, wow. He's smug, isn't he? Would you say that's smug? Very. Very smug-tastic. Wait, let's get a woman's point of view. Stacy Lane Wilson from Dread Central. There's an interesting cross-section of codes of morality and rationale from various unwilling participants in the experiment, proving plenty of food for thought and a few things to discuss with friends and co-workers by the water closet after the end credits fade. What? <laughs> oh, Okay. One more, one more. I'm sorry. Peter Sobozniski. 
It has nothing to say about anything, and the way it plays out in our own fears regarding the epidemic of real-life office violence is more grotesque than it is provocative. I give it a 1.5, and it has no, no redeeming values whatsoever. Turn in your movie card, director. You'll never direct again. Oh, wow. Man, it's pretty crazy. Sounds pretty good, Sounds though. pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. Okay. One more, because I like this person's name. Christy Puchko. Movies like The Belka Experiment make me forget why I like horror. Burn! Boom! Man, yeah! She... Ooh! She really got that in there, didn't she, Steven? Get that Belko experience. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's see what else. Um... I'm sorry. I was eating a nut like a squirrel. Um... T2 train spotting came out. Did you ever see the first train spotting? The no. first film? I never saw train spotting either. Everyone has Danny Boyle's film. Yeah. Uh, I heard it's really good. Right now, it currently sits at 76% fresh. I mean, we've certainly seen better. Kong Skull Island is 79%. You know? Suckers. Didn't I read some Kong Skull Island's review last week? You did. Yeah. But train spotting supposedly is good and i'll read one review and the only review that matters Stephen, and you know what that is peter peter travis travis peter pan no oh, sorry i'm i i i, I mid yawn and I, forgot his name <laughs> peter i'm not vomiting all right Peter Travers says, The passing of two decades can take the piss out of these era-defining 90s rebels. Still, there's a hard-won wisdom at work here, as well as an aching sense of loss. Three out of four. Ah, sounds good. What more is there than that? Thank you so much, Stephen. That's enough of the Rotten Tomatoes this evening. Uh, you like the Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, I love the Rotten Tomatoes over here. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe Heather and her mom will see Beauty and the Beast. I have no... I don't really care. Maybe I'll see it. I don't know. I just hope the little kid from Kong is not there. Oh, Oh, it's you. You at the last movie, Kong. I sit with you again. Candlestick. Candlestick. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Stephen. We have a voicemail. (laughs) Woohoo! Exciting. This voicemail is from Adam Sexton. Yay, Adam. Patron. And also a regular guest on the show. Let's hear what he has to say about stuff. Let's check it out. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton sending you some voicemail. I wanted to leave some feedback on the previous episode, which I did enjoy. Uh, I love the discussion about the Nintendo Switch between you and Jason and also the bonus section between you and Emma. And uh, I loved hearing you talk about the hardware uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild and any games you're looking forward to. And uh, I still don't plan on getting one. I'm, I'm still going to wait like a year or so and wait till the game library expands and for any hiccups yeah. with the operating system uh, gets taken care of. Or maybe, who knows, uh, Nintendo could probably put out a updated design for the Switch. We'll only have to wait and find out. But I have can, been continuing to watch... Uh, let's play footage of uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, especially uh, for any footage that Easy Allies had recently broadcast. And I really do wish that I have been playing it, but yeah. um, whatever. My gaming backlog says I've got enough to uh, worry about <laughs> in terms of games. Um, I love the discussion about Logan, and uh, I still haven't seen it. I plan to see it this this coming weekend, and uh, but I still did love it. I'm looking forward uh, to uh, uh, any uh, remarks about Kong Skull Island, which I understand that Jason has seen recently, and uh, anything else. I, I haven't watched anything recently. Work's been pretty much taking up all of the space. Uh, last weekend, I got even deeper into the division. I, I had hit the level 30 cap, and uh, so much of the game world had expanded open for me. I've just gone into this weird underground uh, sets of levels, and it's just as well-detailed as the Manhattan level. 
at some point I just need to take a break and go back to Horizon Zero Dawn, which uh, I haven't played any further past the point where Aloy becomes a grown woman. Uh, I don't know why I've done that, but that's oh, wow. what I did. I was that's that invested in the division. <laughs> So uh, that's what I've been doing there. I hope to catch up on any movies or TV this weekend, especially since it's pretty much spring break for the campus where I work at. Um, you, you and Stephen uh, talked about the recent or recent update on the set of Avatar sequels that are coming our way, and the fact that uh, the second one's being delayed. And you and Stephen uh, wondered out wondered out loud. Uh, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, about why there needs to be so many sequels. And here's my guess. I'm thinking that Avatar is James Cameron's Star Wars. This is his baby. It's a franchise in a, war, in a cinematic world that belongs to him in a way that I'm willing to bet the Terminator did not belong to him or he didn't feel that it belonged to him. And... Uh, for better or worse, this is uh, this is what he wants to do. This is where he wants to go in terms of fiction, in terms of uh, improving uh, filmmaking techniques and uh, CGI. And I'm all for it. I mean, because James Cameron movies don't come around that often; they're always an event. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see w- whether the stories he's got to uh, he's got to uh, tell us. So. Uh, looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, I don't seem to have any more news, so I'll wrap it up at that. I don't know if the full crew is going to be available tonight, but if they are, uh, I'm glad to see that Bill's back. If he's not, Bill, take care of yourself. Uh, and um, I don't see him everyone, take care of yourselves. Uh, break a leg on the show tonight. I will be in the chat room listening in. My leg! And I will uh, see you guys later. Uh, check you later. Bye. Well, thank you so much, Adam. Yeah, I mean, when there's finally an Avatar trailer and we watch it, and it looks really exciting. Okay, but right now, when you hear about that many movies, it's just like, oh, do I really want to? And they're you know speculating about six, eight, ten, twelve movies. Well, we're pushing it back because we're making five at a time. Yeah. Like, no. I just, it's like hearing about that many alien movies. My brain cannot comprehend it. I just, just I don't know. Brain broken. Just make one, move on, make one, move on. Yeah, I don't need to hear all these movies being made before they are. You know, it's like DC. We're gonna have nine movies out in the next couple of years. It's like, all right, I'm not excited about them because I don't know what the hell they are. But you know, when the trailer no, we comes don't even out, have scripts yet. Yeah, the trailer co- that's. This is what entertainment news is. It's new shit, like, every day, and they're non-stories. They just flood everybody's Twitter feeds with all this nonsense. Just like, how many times have we seen somebody else being considered for Cable in Deadpool 2, and then it turns out to be nothing, and then somebody else is considered? We just, it's wash, rinse, repeat. They keep doing it over and over again. Everybody's like, oh, did you hear who's going to be cast as Cable? And then it turns out to be nothing. But somebody else's names gets leaked. They do the same thing. Nobody is like, you know what? We're not going to run this story this time because we don't know. <laughs> no, because you got to keep it going. You, know? you got to keep people coming to your website. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Entertainment Landfill News. We appreciate it very much. If you would, go to E.T. Landfill. No, wait. What's the name of the website? <laughs> E.T. Landfill.com. Yeah. Right, Stephen? Yeah. That's it. E.T. Landfill.com. See, I know. I'm not a dummy. Well, I am kind of. I can't even remember. It's the name of the show, E.T. Landfill. Guys, go to E.T. Landfill.com. There you can get all of our previous episodes. Also, you can find links to... Uh, previous episodes also you can find links to us on twitter or you can find links to our facebook group huh you want to join that that's pretty fun also uh you can become a patron go to patreon.com slash landfill become a patreon patron on patreon and get access to some rare shows you wouldn't anywhere else plus you'd be supporting the podcast uh once again i'd like to thank you Stephen, for joining me I'd also like to thank Adam Sexton for the voicemail. And I would like to thank all of you for listening, guys. And I also want you guys to get out there and have a great weekend.
That sounded sincere, right? It better have. Now, guys, what do you wait for? Get out there, play some Zelda, Breath of the Wild, some Horizon Zero Dawn, some Tiddlywink, some Tic-Tac-Toe. Tell us about it. Yeah. <laughs> Send us a voicemail about your awesome Tiddlywinks game. Go out there, watch some TV, watch some new streaming stuff, like Iron Fist just hit Netflix, Steven. Right. I hear nothing but good things. <laughs> <laughs> and go see Beauty and the Beast. No, most of all, go see Kong Skull Island because it's awesome. And we'll see you next time. Woohoo! I am Order Forkers. That is what I call a successful show. Boom goes the dynamite. Now this is podcasting. podcasting.